So do you remember the first time you used an online mapping program? Perhaps Google Maps or Apple Maps on your phone? Or if you go back, way back to the 1990s, when the internet was first taking off and you might remember MapQuest. Back then, before MapQuest, if you wanted to get to an unfamiliar place in Los Angeles, there was this spiral-bound atlas <laughs> called the Thomas Guide. LA was divided into these snippets of paper maps. And if you wanted to get from your starting point to a destination that wasn't on that snippet, you'd have to follow this obtuse code. So say, for example, you were to get off the 10 at, at Lincoln, that would be map 49, section 2A. And then you want to head north on Lincoln. Well, by the time you cross Santa Monica Boulevard, you have to flip to map 41, section A6. So maps on our phones, hallelujah. <laughs> a starting point, an ending point, directions, joy. Sometimes I think of our spiritual journeys a bit like these maps, and perhaps the Bible is kind of like the old Thomas Guide. Incredibly valuable, all the data is there. Lots of dense information on each page, in the Bible, in each book, connecting place to place, book to book, story to story, psalms, teachings, history. This huge diversity of ways of connecting and getting into deeper relationship with God. A huge diversity of ways which at times is rich and evocative and mystical and yet other times confusing, frustrating, and challenging. But all ways ma a map to get into deeper relationship with God to discover who God is, who is Jesus. In today's reading from the first chapter of the Gospel of John, you could almost think of that as like the Google map to our spiritual journey. It's got a starting point and a destination all packed in 13 little verses. Now the passage comes in the first chapter right after John's big picture description of who Jesus is, that prologue. In the beginning was the Word. If you're here around Christmas, we heard this a couple of times. The Word made flesh, the light that darkness did not overcome. The Word giving power for us to become the children of God, revealing that we are the children of God. That's one heck of a destination. And I'm all in for heading there, being with God, enfleshed in the world, being with the light that conquers darkness, becoming a child of God. So yeah, take me there. And today's passage maps out this journey, and it's laid out in a beautiful dialogue, almost like a Hollywood script. The starting point, the starting scene is John the baptizer who sees Jesus, sees the word made flesh, and he testifies, he declares, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
This is the one upon whom the Spirit descended. This one, the fulfillment of divine promise. And this one is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Okay, folks, this is the destination he's declaring. So how does the journey begin? After John makes this huge declaration, he's with two of his disciples, and he sees Jesus and points to him and says, this, this is the Lamb of God. And a spiritual journey for these two disciples begins. Someone is pointing the way to Jesus. So these two head off, following, and Jesus turns to them and asks, what are you looking for? Jesus is naming the motivation, the why of the spiritual journey, the seeking, the longing, that yearning deep within us for a better place to be with ourselves, with the world, and with God. A place of healing, forgiveness, wholeness, a place of liberation, restoration of self, and a place of liberation, restoration of the world. This is a divine promise, the newness of life, alive now, that we long for. So when Jesus asks, what are you looking for? The disciples, it seems like, don't quite know how to answer other than to say, Rabbi, teacher, where are you staying? They want more. The verb for, in Greek for staying is menos, which means more fully abide, dwelling, remain, endure. So Jesus, where do you abide? Where do you endure? Where do you live? Where can we be with you? And so Jesus issues the great invitation, come and see. And these two disciples, these are the first two disciples to follow. They do follow. And in the words of the gospel, they came and saw where he was staying and they remained with him that day. They hung out with Jesus. And this, in a sense, is the destination, being with Jesus, discovering Jesus as the Messiah, discovering the blessing and healing and liberation for us and for the world of his Messiahship. And this discovery is so powerful and so transformative just in that one day that Andrew, one of the two, zooms home to his brother, Simon Peter, to tell him, we have found the Messiah. And we don't know how much of who the Messiah is Andrew understood, but we know he's excited enough to share the news. And Andrew brings Simon to Jesus and Jesus blesses Simon with a new identity, names him Peter. This is the first calling of disciples in John's gospel, right there in the first chapter. This is the map of the spiritual journey. And when Andrew is going 
to find Peter, to find his brother, we have a mirror of what John did in the beginning of this story. John pointing at the destination, the destination that connects with our longing. Andrew running to get Peter, to get Simon and bring him. Tapping into longing that Andrew knew was there. There's Jesus' invitation that Andrew shares, come and see. And Peter, who responds to the invitation, just like Andrew and the other disciple did, responds by going, by being with Jesus. So sharing what we discover when we have gone to see, this is part of the destination of our spiritual journey. When we've gone to see and when we've hung out with God, so to speak. Each step of the spiritual journey is worth a whole sermon, uh, a whole bunch of classes, books. Many books have been written on each step of the journey. But here we are in Epiphany in this first chapter of John's Gospel. Epiphany, a time of revelation, a time of showing forth in a big way, of seeing the light. So we're just going to stick with this big arc and look at the map. This map of following Jesus, of becoming a disciple, of going on our spiritual journey, is a map that's totally down to earth. It's one with highways and byways and little pathways that are going to be different for each and every one of us. It's a journey of spiritual transformation. One that in the process turns us into people who reveal the good news of what we've discovered on our map, on perhaps even just one or two steps on the map, revealing that to others. Jesus is where we're called to be, to abide with Jesus, to endure with Jesus, to hang out with Jesus. We're called to listen to others who may point the way, and we're called to accept the invitation to come and see. Our parishioner and retired seminary professor, Richard Peace, spent the better part of his career studying spiritual transformation looking at spiritual journeys, looking at and writing about what in Christian language is called conversion, the ways that we come and see, the ways that coming and seeing impacts our lives. And one of the things he's taught me is this process of turning to God, of conversion, of embarking on the journey and sticking with the journey rarely happens in one miraculous event regardless of how many years I wished that would have happened. Conversion is rarely a single dramatic event. For the vast majority of us, it's incremental. It is a journey of steps. And it's oftentimes one we don't fully understand till we look at it in retrospect. I find this tremendously comforting. And it fits with the full dictionary definition of what epiphany is. We think of epiphany as that one explosion of a moment, 
but Merriam-Webster describes it also as an intuitive grasp of reality through something usually simple and striking. Dictionary.com says an epiphany is also an intuitive perception or insight into the reality or essential meaning of something, usually initiated by some simple, homely, commonplace occurrence or experience. Jesus meets us in the simple, the homely, and the commonplace, and our journeys our call to be disciples, our call to come and see, is down to earth. And little moments, these little moments when we respond, these little moments through God's grace become transformative. Our job simply listen, see where we're being called, then come and see, abide with Jesus, And then we are to become, once we have abided, however long or short that time may be, we are to become, in a sense, each other's Google map. We are to be pointing the way for others, just pointing it out. The conversion, the transformation, that's God's job. That's not our job. Our job is to share. And it's a critical job because what is at stake is abundant life. What is at stake is newness of life. What is at stake is transformation, not just selfishly for ourselves, but for ourselves as God's agents in the world. Transformation of the world. Reconciliation of the world to God. So let's listen to the John the baptizers of our lives in scripture, in history, in tradition, and in our own experience with each other and in our daily lives. Let us come and see, and then let us share the discovery that Jesus truly is the truth. Jesus is the way, and Jesus is the life. Amen.